0: Good morning LAFC, my name is Joel Lingenfelter, Uh, many of you know me but some don't, I'm the executive pastor here, Uh, I've been privileged to serve here for about 10 years, Uh, and today it's my privilege to open the word of God with you, Uh, let's pray as we begin. Gracious Heavenly Father, just thank you for today, thank you for your blessing, thank you for your love, thank you for your mercy, and as we dig into your word, we just thank you for your word. Just pray that you would uh, speak through your spirit to us and just allow us to learn from you today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, if you've been with us for the last few months, you know we're studying the book of Ephesians. And if today's your first day, welcome. Now, there's two ways you can follow along. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, raise your hand, and one of our ushers will be happy to get you one. Uh, or the other way is if you have a phone or a, a tablet, you can use the UVersion Bible app, and if you go under events, there'll be a map, and on that map, it'll bring up, if you're here, uh, LEFC, and you'll be able to see that. That will have all the, the passages we'll use today, as well as a few other resources. So <clears throat> years ago, a really good friend of mine, David, he bought me this pepper grinder. Now... Um, Some of you are laughing, you notice it might be a little larger than others, Uh, but what's great about this pepper grinder is if you're in the back row, you can see this without the cameras. Uh, If you're watching this on an iPhone, it still looks like a pepper grinder. Um, This thing is amazing. And and he handed it to me and he was a little nervous, like, what do you think? I'm like, this is awesome. He goes, great, because I bought you two of them. Um, And the other one was lighter in color. But he didn't want to give me two if I didn't like it. And so, you know, I, I was like, this is amazing. One for pepper, one for salt. So I took them home and, and, you know, took them out of the package and everything. And, and there were instructions. And, and the instructions oddly said something about don't put salt in your pepper grinder. So, so being a good uh, rule follower that I am, I threw the instructions away. And then I put salt in the lighter colored one. So I had a salt mill and a pepper mill. Now, uh, what was great is I, I used them both. They both worked. They, 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 you know, we were able to salt and pepper things. I thought these things were incredible. Now, weirdly, my wife wasn't quite as enamored with them as I was. Uh, she didn't like the fact that you couldn't see her friends over them. I don't, I don't understand why that was a problem. Um, but I loved putting them out. We had guests over. To me, this was just like, oh, let me offer you some pepper, you know. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was a great time. So, so you know, we had these things, we used them, but over time, something happened. See, see, the salt grinder, it started to rust, kind of badly, and then the tea started to break off and it corroded and eventually the whole thing didn't work. Now, the pepper grinder, on the other hand, worked just fine, and, and I started to think it was almost like the people that wrote that little manual might have known that there was a proper use for these and it was, wait for it, to grind pepper. So, so what does that have to do with the book of Ephesians? Well, I don't know about you, but, but our kids, when they were born, they didn't come with a manual. Or if they did, we lost it on the way home from the hospital, which is totally possible. Um, but, but they really they didn't come with instructions. But thankfully, the Bible, among many other things, is a manual for successful human relationships. And that includes the relationship between parents and children. So what we call the book of Ephesians was originally a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Paul laid out his letter like a pyramid. At the bottom, he put the, the who we are in Christ and really talking about our identity. And then with each paragraph, he kind of stacked things on top of it. And when we get to Ephesians 4, it'll be on the screen here in a moment, he said this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So all these things have stacked up, and now he's saying, hey, let's talk about how you live. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Well, what does that mean? It means you live different than just the way the world lives. You've been given a different standard, a standard worthy of a life in Christ this means we don't make choices based on only our own wisdom or our own desires, but rather we make our choices saturated with the Word of God and led by the Holy Spirit. Now, as, as Paul elaborates further in his letter, he talks about how we are called to live. He says this in chapter 5, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us, And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, another way of saying follow God's example is with the phrase, be imitators of God. God gave us an example of how to live and how to be in human relationship through the person of Jesus. The lives we are to live are ones motivated by the gospel, imitating Jesus, changing hearts by how we love. So last week, we looked at how we love one another through mutual submission. By submitting to one another, Jesus is glorified. But we don't have to be married to model the work of Christ in our lives. You know, everyone in this room, I don't say a lot of absolute, I'm 100% certain of the statements, but I am 100% certain that everyone in this room started life as a child, right? And raise your hand if I'm wrong about you, right? Like, like that, that's just who we all are, we were once children, and there's much that we can learn by how children are called to live in the Lord. So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll begin right at the top. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I remember we were reading scripture around the table with our kids, and Patty happened to be reading, and she got to chapter 6 of Ephesians. And she read verse 1, and I said, I'm sorry, would you read that again? And she read it again. Like, I, I, I just didn't hear that. Would you read that one more time? And, and she, she did that, and, and the kids started to catch on, like, wait a minute. You know, I think you heard what she said. And it was a fun moment. We had a nice laugh, and, and it was just fun to, to, to live together. But it's more than just a laugh, right? Like, there is truth in those words, truth of great value. Truth of how we can do human relationships well, as as well as truth on how we are called to live. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Notice the word obey. Obey is not the same as submit. To submit is something we do voluntarily, usually. It's something we choose to do out of love and respect. But obey. Obey is firmer, obey is stronger, obey is clearer. We obey because our position demands that we do. Now, the easiest way for me to explain this is to talk about the context of a military. For example, one of the foundational pieces of military discipline is that orders must be followed. They must be obeyed. A military where orders are not followed descends into chaos and it cannot function. So how does a soldier determine who to listen to? Well, that's what rank is for. For example, if you're a private in the army, everyone gets to tell you what to do, right? But if you're a lieutenant, you only take orders from people above you, like a captain. And if you're a captain, it needs to be a major, and on up the line until you get to the commander-in-chief, which in the US is the President of the United States. In each case, obedience is required, and it's rank that determines who obeys who. So in a household, there's only two ranks, parent and child. I don't think that it's accidental that the Apostle Paul used the word parents here, not father or mother. This reinforces what Tony said last week about headship not being about who is superior or inferior. Both parents need to be obeyed by their children because of their position in the life of the child. They are of the same rank. The parents are equal, and the children are equal in the home. So the phrase, in the Lord, follows the simple command. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And I think there's two things we can learn from this. First of all, if we saw all the way back to the beginning of Ephesians, Paul is writing to the church. So, he's expecting to be writing to Christian families when he says this. And he says, children should obey their parents out of their love and respect for the Lord. Right? Like, that's what it means to obey in the Lord. The second is best explained by looking at a similar passage in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians 3.20, he says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children please the Lord when they obey their parents. This is the natural order of things, and as our passage says, this is right. It's how things are supposed to be. It's how God designed the household to function. Children, in the simple act of obeying their parents, please God. And that's the end goal, to obey the Lord for a lifetime. Of course, this passage of Scripture isn't only for children to read. You notice we didn't start today by asking all the children to come up front and letting you all just sit back and observe while I taught them. These words are directed at all of us. And I believe the key is located at the beginning of Ephesians 5, that we, all of us, are to be imitators of God. The idea of obedience is a lifelong pattern that should begin as children and follow us through our entire lives as, as children of God. What we practice as obeying our parents should transfer to a lifetime of obeying God who's done vastly more for us than our parents could ever do. Right? God is, is so much bigger. He gave us our parents. But our passage continues. Ephesians 6.2 Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honor your father and mother. Honor is different than obey. It's more along the lines of respect and esteem. So obedience is about what we do. Honor is about how we think and, how and why we act. And that honor influences what we do. And as is so often the case in Scripture, God places the emphasis on the heart behind the action rather than the action itself. There's another key difference. Let's look back to chapter 5 verse 31. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. You know, we cannot remain part of our old household because it's impossible for one flesh to be in two places at once. When we leave our father and mother, we establish a new household. Using my military example from earlier, it's like we establish a new army and we're no longer in the chain of command of that previous army. It would be impossible to serve two armies. Who would you listen to? But Christ is the head of each household and you have created a new entity. And if you're single and you live on your own, you've still created your own household with Christ as the head and he is the one that must be obeyed in all things by the work of the Spirit. However, while it's impractical to obey your parents when you no longer live in their household, there's no such limitation on honor. We can continue to hold them in high esteem and respect them, even while not living under their roof. But even then, there's a tension, right? How do we see... Both families on holidays, or in Leicester County, how do we see the 700 people we're obligated to see this Christmas, right? Who do do we listen to on on how to to do things in our household? There's there's just tensions. If you live far away, how often do we go and, and see the other parents? If I'm single, do I have to go every time my parents call and say we'd love to see you, or do I have to be there for every holiday? In first service, somebody said yes to that. That wasn't really a direct question. Um, What if your spouse doesn't want to go? Right? So, So what do you do about all those things? Well, in our lives, Patty and I, we had to discern how to honor our parents. Mine lived in California. Patty's lived in Utah. They both had ideas on how we should operate as a married couple. And we had to discern how to honor them, respect them, esteem them, but also make our own way. Our little household of two was a new army. We no longer belonged to the households that raised us. But no matter what choices were made, our parents deserved honor. And we were allies of our former households, but still a new entity. So God attaches a promise to this command in his kindness. And he does that because honoring our parents reflects God's character. I believe God honors us, God blesses us when we reflect him in this way, because honoring our parents can be hard work. Not because they're bad people, but by the very nature of things, they are necessarily older than us. Now, that's a huge advantage when we can't feed ourselves. You need your parents to be older. And later in life, we have the advantage of being able to help them as they grow closer to eternity. I watched my dad honor his parents to the day they died. He loved them. He cared for them when their minds had gone and what society would consider their usefulness was long forgotten. God promises that it will go well for us and we will enjoy life long on this earth because honoring our parents reflects his character. Of course, we know of people who've honored God and their parents and died young. Patty and I went to a funeral of one such in, in December. But, so it's not a formula of if I do X, God has to do Y, but in honoring our parents, God will bring you joy. Of course, on the other end, parenting is the ultimate form of servant leadership, right? Parents do 100% of the work of keeping a very young child alive. The child contributes nothing to the equation that doesn't smell bad. Am I wrong? I think that's why this is so reflective of our relationship with God. Me compared to God, I am less capable than an infant is compared to me. Right? So God gives us that picture of how helpless we are to understand how helpless we are for a lifetime compared to what he brings. This connection between parent and child and our understanding I think that's why we have verse four, because it reflects our understanding of who God is. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke them to anger. You know, what kind of things exasperate children? Well, I I can think of a number of them, right? Placing impossible demands, being unfair, being inconsistent, all sorts of things like that. I, I, I wondered if the Apostle Paul was maybe a Little League coach at one point and he dealt with a bunch of parents who put unrealistic expectations on their kids. Because um, it just seems like a, a, a keen understanding of what happens in human relationships. You know, as parents, we hold all the power in the household. And as imitators of God... We need to imitate Christ, and Christ never used his power to belittle, he never used his power to frustrate, he never used his power to exasperate, but instead he served and loved people. Now, I don't think it's an accident that Paul specifically uses the Greek word uh, pateros here, which means fathers, rather than guneuson, which means parents. As Pastor Tony was was talking last week, headship equals responsibility. And I think the Apostle Paul clearly puts the responsibility for setting the tone of how our home acts on the fathers. Now, it's not that moms get a pass, but rather the Apostle knows dads are more likely to be the ones that that are demanding and cause the types of frustration in our children. And if you're a single-parent household, this falls on you regardless of gender. Because children need to be loved, they need to be able to succeed, and they need us to point them to our Heavenly Father, who is perfect when we are not. And I got to tell you, it's pretty freeing to know that I don't have to be perfect, only that I need to point my children to the one who is. Our passage continues, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. See, good parenting is not just about not making children angry. <laughs> it's much more significant than that. Good parenting, in its purest form, is disciple-making. Disciple-making in your household. Does anyone know what the Greek word for household is? I don't hear you. Oikos. Right, now if you're new here and you're like, wait, really? Really? This is a word oikos, it's a Greek word that means household, but the, house, the household in that time frame is something that, that meant really the people that you were in contact with on a daily basis. The way I phrase it today is the people that care what you have to say. And we use that word often, so it's not unusual that this crowd would know it. Um, but I, I think it's really important to understand that as parents, children, specifically your children, they care what you have to say. This is not a new concept, we can see it in the book of Deuteronomy, something was written over a thousand years before today's text. So let's take a look at that. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's a great passage. And you know what I found is it applies to every person in this room, even if we're not actively crossing the Jordan to take possession of the promised land. Even if we're not parents, even if we're single, and no matter what age we are, we are in community together as a church. And as a community, we hold the responsibility to one another to read and delve into the Word of God. We need to study His Word so that each of us may fear the Lord as long as we live and encourage one another to follow Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I love the imagery in this text. Impress the Word of God on your children. Some versions say teach them diligently. Others say, others use say with repetition. Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you drive. Talk about it at night before bed and in the morning, right after you get up. Did you notice what it didn't say here? It didn't say only talk about it at church. And it didn't say only the pastor or the Sunday school teacher is responsible for training your children. Talking about the goodness of God should saturate all of our lives. So let me explain how this is lived out of the Lingenfelter household. In our home, my wife lives this out literally. She's written the word of God on our walls and over our front door. Uh, And why do we do that? Well, we do it because we want to be saturated with the word of God. Remember who he is and remember what he's done for us at all times. But we don't do it only for the children. We do it for us and our children. Because we need to remember who God is and that Jesus is the one who paid the penalty for our sins. And we owe him everything. Now, an example of how this can be done corporately is the upcoming Parents' Night Out. We have Walt Mueller coming in. He'll be speaking to parents and grandparents on understanding the culture around us and how to point children to Christ in the midst of all the competing messages the world brings. Our family ministries team is committed to the idea of journeying towards Christ together. And this event is an opportunity for you to equip your family. You can sign up through our website. I encourage you to do so today. You'll not regret taking the time to invest in your household well. So back to Ephesians 6. Our need to know God's word and obey his teaching is why this passage is valuable for everyone in the room. Not just parents or people who we currently call children. Every one of us has an oikos, people who care what you say, and even if you're single and you live alone. Every one of us is called to make disciples in that oikos, speaking the truth of the word of God to the world around us. The Apostles Paul's direction here to children is in reality training for life. All of us are called to obey God as imitators of him. Now, does that seem impossible? Well, it starts by understanding that every one of us is a sinner. Romans 3.23 says it this way, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, sorry, that's 6.23. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 elaborates and says, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love that. Right after telling us what our problem is, that we have sinned, and that what we deserve for that sin is death, God gives us the good news that says, but the free gift of God, the free gift that I've given you is eternal life through Jesus Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the penalty that we deserved, even though we were not worthy of the sacrifice. Jesus was crucified on the cross for our sins, but he rose again on the third day in glorious triumph over death. This is the good news of the gospel, and this is why we have hope. Amen? It is why we are confident in our future. You know, accepting Jesus won't make your kids perfect, but it will change your life. Because Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, and it is through the Holy Spirit we are empowered to keep God's commands. So you remember my pepper grinder? When I did things my way, when I put salt in it, I thought I knew better than its creator. And it worked okay for a while. I had a really cool salt grinder. But eventually, everything decayed and broke down. If we ignore God's instructions for our lives, it may go okay for a while. Those shortcuts that we take may seem like a good idea. But in the long term, things decay, they break down, And just like my salt-filled pepper grinder, they become worthless. Every person hearing my voice right now needs Jesus. He's the only way to reconciling our sinful state to our perfect heavenly Father. It is only through him and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we can truly be imitators of God and train our children or those in our oikos to do the same. Let's pray together. Gracious heavenly Father, We just thank you. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you that all scripture is God-breathed, is useful for for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. But we thank you for the, the way that you have used this text in our lives. Lord, may we reflect your character as we honor our father and mother. May we reflect your character as we train our children. Uh, And Lord, may we just continually seek your face and seek your word for how we should live. As we conclude this morning, I felt like we should take some time and just pray together. We should pray for, for the people in our lives. I thought we'd begin by praying for our children. So I'd like you just to quietly, I'll stop speaking, just pray for your children. If you don't have kids, pray for others' children that you know. Pray for the children of Ukraine, Uh, but let's just take a moment and pray for our children and pray that they would find the Lord, pray that they would obey their parents, and that God would be pleased. Then let's take a moment and let's pray for the parents of LAFC. Those that that bring children within our midst, just pray that they would be godly parents, that they would have households that don't exasperate their children, but instead train them in righteousness. Pray for them as they struggle to follow God to do the right thing. Pray that the Holy Spirit would empower them to do so. that they would be a testimony to their community by how they run their homes and for the grandparents at LEFC, just pray that they would know when and how to speak into the lives of their children and grandchildren pray that they would be examples of, of what it is to live a life that is honoring to you that follows you that those grandchildren would be able to hear stories of what God has done. Pray for our children's ministry team, our staff, our volunteers. They put in a tremendous amount of time They work and work and work to teach the children of LAFC who God is, who Jesus is, and to draw them to him. Just pray that they would would find their time valuable, that they would be so thrilled that they have poured into the lives of these children, and that they would partner with our parents to teach those children what it is to follow Jesus. And finally, ask the Lord what he's calling you to do, how he wants you to obey him. Is there something in your life that you've been holding back from him? and He says, I have a better way. What you're doing is like salt in a pepper grinder. Doesn't work. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. just thank you for your word. Thank you for the the power that's in it and, Lord, the importance of of following you. Lord, I pray for the upcoming Parents' Night Out. I pray that that, uh, those who attend would find it incredibly helpful. They would learn what, what their children are being taught by culture. They would learn what your truth is and how you have called them to live. Lord, may the parents who attend uh, learn how to live worthy, live a life worthy of, of your calling and to teach their children to do the same. Pray for the presenter as he prepares. May he uh, just continue to, to seek your face. May his words be from you. Lord, for the marriage retreat coming up this weekend, pray for those couples that go. I pray that you would uh, just allow them to have time together to be drawn closer to one another and that in that time they'd be drawn closer to you. That as they hear from your word, as they they spend time discussing it, that they would be like what we saw in Deuteronomy, talking about it when they get up, when they go to bed, and, and all throughout the day, that your word would be on their minds. And Lord, I pray for Ukraine. I pray for the people. I pray for your care and your love for them pray for healing for those who are injured I pray for the spiritual life of that country we have missionary friends who've been serving Ukraine for over 25 years I just I pray for the work that they have done with the seminary and training pastors and pray that those pastors would would just rise in this time and be able to minister to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around them pray that the church would proclaim your name that people would come to faith all throughout the region as a result of what you're doing. Lord, we pray for your will to be done. Pray for your protection. And Lord, we do pray for Sasha and for Gina and their families. Uh, We pray that they would come to know you, that they would be drawn to you, and also for their protection uh, from harm as they, they seek to defend their home. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. You are a good, good God, and you are amazing. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Church, let's stand. Let's sing in faith and in commitment to him this morning. to work. say that you're good
0: says train up a child in the way he should go and even when he is old he will not depart from it and then Jesus says if you love me you will keep my commandments and so for every one of us in the room let's love Jesus let's love God love people and live the truth of God's word keep his commandments and then proclaim Jesus to the world that he has given us go in peace this week proclaim the name of Jesus
1: you're dismissed.